0: Somebody shout, there is no one like our God. Shout it. Now sing it. There isn't no one like our God. Sing it again. Oh, there isn't no one like our God. One more time. Oh. One more time, oh, greater things are yet to come. Hallelujah! Praise Him! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, lift your voice and shout unto the Lord right now. Thank you, God. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You would turn with me to the book of John chapter 4 and verse 35. So glad that you're here this morning. Make sure that you come back tonight. There's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost this evening. We're so excited about what God is doing. Somebody shout, Amen. Wednesday was powerful. Had one filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. I think you had to clap your hands and thank God for it. Craig, it's so good to see you. Believing for what God's got in your future. I really do. I'm excited to see you this morning. What God's doing with you and your family. Praise God. John chapter 4, verse 35 says, Say not ye there are yet four months you know that's a commandment that's Jesus speaking don't say there are yet four months and then cometh harvest after football season then we'll start reaching for lost people well as soon as basketball's over He commanded you to not procrastinate what's important to him now. Look at your neighbor and say, now. Come on, all you parents know how to say that word well to your kid, now! Come on, anybody ever use that right now with your children? All you parents that count, you're missing it. One! Get to three and you still don't do anything. They don't either. Somebody shout right now. He said, Then come with the heart, behold, I say unto you, this is Jesus talking. And I speak it to you this morning. Lift up your eyes and look. Come on, take your hand, lift your chin up. Look. Look at your neighbor and say, look, on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And I'm telling this church right now, you're going to miss it if you wait. Some of you have been endowed with spiritual giftings and talents to reach people. And the devil's doing everything he can to procrastinate you missing the harvest. That's the truth. There is a great harvest in this church right now. Everybody shout right now. Say it like you said to your kid. Now. Amen. Doesn't that feel good when you say it like that? Amen. I feel like that's what the Father's saying to all the children in the room. Now. If we're not careful, that the things our flesh wants becomes more important than what He wants. But I come to preach on this Sunday morning the prophetic message of this congregation the harvest is ready everybody shout right now I want you to turn to five or six people you got to get this in your spirit turn around come on I want to you the harvest is ready now the harvest is ready now it's, it's ready right now right now right now come on I wish some of you get it in your spirit and shout right now you know what I think of when I think of right now? I think of backsliders coming back to the Lord, that your children and your family. I, I think of your neighbors, and I think of people you've been praying for for 10 years. At, right now. Right now. I know I've said it 25 times, but I'm going to say it again. Right now. Somebody shout right now. Now high five somebody beside you say right now. Amen. Sister Don missed and hit Sister Andy back there. She missed the whole five and hit her. Y'all better be seated before you hurt somebody. Amen. The harvest is ready. I think to understand what I'm preaching, you must understand what are we talking about about a harvest. I'm not talking about wheat, tomatoes, cucumbers, I'm not talking about corn. I'm talking about people. In the setting of the scripture. Jesus sends his disciples grocery shopping because he knew, Brother Nehemiah, they would not approve of his company. He is walking down a road, what some would believe was a shortcut to Samaria, but in John 4, 4, he must needs. Everybody shout, must. Today's message isn't an option Sometimes I, I tell people, I, I pastor. Some, to some people, I'm their pastor. For others, they go to the church I pastor. And there's a difference. If we're not careful, we will, we will look at biblical scriptures as a suggestion. Which is probably good, but what I'm preaching to you today is not a suggestion, suggestion. It is a commandment of God. And he said, must. Everybody shout, Must. He must needs go through Samaria. It's, it's not optional. I've got to go. Why? Because there's a woman that's there. She's had five husbands. The one she now has isn't even hers. She's empty. She's broken. And Jesus looks at her and he says, give me a drink. She said, what are you doing talking to me? You Jews don't have anything to do with us Samaritan people. And he makes a statement that he said, if thou only knewest the gift of God and who said to thee give a drink he said thou would have asked of him and he would have given thee living water so he's talking to a woman that has had brokenness in her life and emptiness in her life and she's being shunned by the community isn't that how the world does it uses you up and throws you aside how many know this way it is yeah, it, it has its moment of fun. Then it casts you aside. The pleasure sins for a season. Then she's shoved aside, and she's condemned, and she's lonely, and she's standing there. And Jesus talks. She didn't even know who she talked to just a stranger. If she only, I've always thought, if she only knew who she was talking to. He's not just another man or another prophet. This is, this is the Creator. The, the one that's, that stood at the, the darkness of, of the universe on the, on the threshold of eternity and said, let there be light, and boom! Threw stars off of his fingertips. He spoke the world into existence. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. All things, somebody shout, all things, were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made, and the word was made flesh, and what among us they did not know. She did not know who she was talking to. But you know what I love about Jesus? And all of his perfection and all of his greatness, he took time for a broken woman that had messed her life up. And he's sitting on the well talking to her and he said, well, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that said to me, give me a drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water. Boy, then she starts mocking him, you know, dusty stranger, dust all over you You don't even have a picture to draw with. How are you going to give me anything to drink? The well is deep. He said, If you drink of this water, let's just get to the point. If you keep drinking from the well you've been drinking from, you're going to end up still empty. He said, But the water that I shall give you is going to be in you a well of living water springing up in the everlasting life. How many of ever had that springing well? Amen. Amen. He said the well. That I, what's he talking about? He's talking about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Is what he's talking about? I remember when I received it, February the twenty second, nineteen eighty seven. I was standing here in Winston Salem, North Carolina, right from the pulpit, and I'll never forget when Jesus came down in my life and filled me with his spirit. And out of my mouth, I began to pray in a language I did not understand. Just like Mary, the mother of Jesus. Amen. Just like the Apostle Paul. Just like the disciples on the day of Pentecost. And it was like a springing well. I remember going home like this. Ooh. How many know I'm talking about that you've been filled? You feel so good. Your cup's running over, and woo, I was crying and. I had stammering lips, as Isaiah uh, 28 11 says, stammering lips in another tongue, and this is the rest wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. It was so fulfilling. I had been born of the Spirit just an eight-year-old boy, and here it is. Here it is. I'm 41, and I think to myself, that was a changing moment in my life. I had faith. I had repented. I had been baptized. But man, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is so fulfilling. It's a separate, distinct experience. That's for everybody. Everybody. How many believe it's for everybody? Amen. And Jesus is telling her, if you keep drinking of this well, you'll thirst again. You know, it's amazing. I had a guy come to me one time and he said, he said, I just, I, I've been smoking weed every night for two years and preacher, I, I, we went to school together. He said, he said, I need help. He said, I don't know what to do. I took him to this portion of scripture. I said, you know what that woman did when she got finished talking to Jesus? He said what? I said the Bible says she left her pot. <laughs> That's what I told him. <clears throat> he was real he was real down trying to get through it. He didn't really laugh, but I thought it was funny. Yeah. She left the pot. What she was was using to try to satisfy her soul wasn't working. But I come to tell you, when you come to Jesus, you won't need alcohol any longer. You won't need pot any longer. You won't need a thing that always leaves you empty. He's looking at a woman that's broken. He's looking at a woman that's empty. He's looking at a woman that's been shamed. And some call her the woman of ill repute. I've heard, you know, we we put titles on people. Do you know the prodigal wasn't even called the prodigal in Scripture? We title people because we categorize people. You can categorize her however you want to, but you remember this. He still offered her the well of living water. And I just want to know, are there any sinners saved by grace in this building this morning? You say, I once was lost in sin, but he gave me the well of living water. Somebody shout hallelujah. He sent her on her way, and she, she, she looks at him and, before he sent her on the she looks at him, he says, she says, Jesus and, and John 4, John 4, she said, sir, give me this water. Give me this water. Everybody shout, give me this water. That I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She said, I, all right, you convinced me. Give me this water that I don't need to come back to this well. I don't need the pot any longer. Jesus said unto her go get your husband hold, 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 hold on a minute Jesus you just ruined it I mean you had her wanting the well and now you tell her, now you tell her to go get her husband she said to him I don't have a husband she's thinking I got out of that the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. She's thinking, He said, For thou hast five, and the one thou now hast is not yours. <laughs> she said, I perceive thou art a prophet. He has her wanting the well. Listen, listen. And then he surfaces her sin. Can I tell you why would he do it? It's not to shame her. It's not to expose her. It was a private conversation. We don't need to go public with our stuff. There's some things that God keeps just between him and her. Why did he say what he said? I'm going to tell you why. Because he had to expose it to heal it. It wasn't to expose it to condemn it. Man, aren't you glad that Jesus knew everything about you and still gave you hope? Come on, anybody ever messed up? How many found repentance and grace and mercy in him? He goes on the talks and she gets religious in the conversation after he talks and she's talking about word of worship and he made a statement. He said, but the hour cometh, verse 23, and now is. Everybody shout, now is. When the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh us to worship Him. Go, excuse me, God is a spirit. And they that worship Him, everybody shout, must. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. And He ministers to her and she goes her way and the disciples show back up. And they have groceries. And um, He says to them, when they said, in the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, "Master, eat." Here's the grocery he sent us after. He said, "I have meat to eat that you know not of." He said, "I've got something. You know, you know why you eat because you're hungry. You're hungry for food. My kids, they can eat fifteen minutes. Fifteen, they can eat and fifteen minutes later, I'm starving. of your kids that way? Two of you, you're lying." Yeah, some of you like, I'm that way, is what you're thinking. (laughs) I'm hungry. Daddy, Daddy, if you don't stop giving me a cheeseburger, McDonald's, I'm gonna die. You know why they're eating? Because they're hungry. And what he was saying, you're hungry for food, but you should be hungry for the harvest. When's the last time you said, if I don't, if I don't win somebody to God, God, I'm gonna die if I don't get somebody. If, if I don't, if somebody doesn't get baptized in that baptismal tank, I'm going to die. When's the last time you've made a statement? If I go to church alone with, without a sinner with me, one more service, I think I'm going to die. When's the last time you said that? I'll tell you why we don't say it, because we're not hungry for it. We're content to be saved without being hungry for what God's hungry for. And let's be honest. When you came today, you you already talking on the way to church. Where are you going to eat? We already did that. Where are we going to eat after church? You know why? Because we wake up hungry. Is that right? Somebody said, you always talk about food when you're eating, when you're preaching. Because I'm hungry when I'm preaching on Sunday morning. <laughs> but when when are we going to start becoming hungry for what God's hungry for? What is it that really matters, matters to God? Boy, I've got to have that cup of coffee in the morning. I've got to have this. We've got to have it. But when's the last time you got a hold of what God's hungry for said, God is hungry for sinners to be saved. Everybody shout right now. I'm not talking about something five years. I'm not even talking about something four months from now. I'm talking about right now the harvest is ready. And God looks over the crowd of people and says, I wish somebody could go out and reach the people I gave my life for. You feel that contentment that's in the room? Oh, but pastor, school's starting. You know, we can't do it now. We've got to get the kids in bed on time. And please don't preach too long on Wednesday night because we've got to get the kids to sleep. Come on, how, you know how we are, you know. And uh, we got, I'm going to tell you something. Do you have Brother Tyler, Brother Tyler here? Did he, did he get me that? Brother Tyler Gators, is he? Huh? But watch this. What really matters to God? Everybody say, what matters to God? In a, in a scale, if you will, in a scale of balance of weighing things out, Which one's, which one weighs more? has more priority, more precedence. If we're not careful, we as Christians will become just religious people and miss what really matters to God. To be truly repentant, everybody say repentance. Here. though. To be truly repentant, it means to feel about things the way God feels about things. That's what... If you study repentance, a place of repentance, or what repentance is, is about, the word repentance, it means a place where you feel about things the way God feels about it. Matter of fact, the person that's a sinner that truly repents, they will hate the life they used to live. How many know that's true? Despise it. They I can't believe I ever talked like that. Went there, did that. I, it, the word repentance actually means to abhor. That means to hate what God hates. It actually means to love what God loves. Paul said, the things I used to love, I now... Hey, are y'all with me? And the things I used to hate I now love and he's talking about God has changed my heart to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. How many want to hate what God hates? How many want to love what God loves? My concern is that you allow God to bring you out of sin but you didn't let him take you into his purpose. The Bible says he brought us out to take his sin. Somebody shout he brought me out to take me in. Some people come oh he saved me I'm so glad the Lord saved me and but yet you never go into his love for people, his love for souls, his love for the harvest, his love for people to be one most new converts really aren't that way though when they come in they get, they're get they born again in the water of the spirit they can't wait to tell their brother their neighbor their father their mother somebody about he, he delivered me you need what I have and they get this passion about what God has done my fear is that the greatest harvest that there's ever been in the history of the church of souls coming in conversions baptism people being filled with the Holy Ghost becoming disciples and preachers and missionaries is right now up on us and if we're not careful we won't care. When's the last time, boy? I'm, I'm 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 pastoring today. I can tell it's going different, but I'm going to do what I feel. When's the last time you leaned over to your neighbor and said, "You know, did we baptize anybody today? Have we baptized anybody in the last few weeks? You know, I, I, I uh, we got that baptismal covered up. We're trying to get it out here. I promise. We got a plan getting this baptismal back out here. But we've been baptizing people. Amen. Sorry, brother, I forget your name. He was baptized uh, two weeks ago, and we baptized two people last Sunday. Are you excited about that? Let's just get down real here for a minute. If somebody's down here laying in this altar and they're pouring their heart out to God and they're repenting before the Lord, we shouldn't be talking about football in this sanctuary or deer hunting or shopping or politics. That should not be going on. Somebody giving their heart to God, we ought to be praying behind them, oh God, Lord, let them get a breakthrough. Let them get a deliverance. Oh God, let them find you. Let me tell you what's destroying the church of Jesus Christ. It's me. spent. Our mind is flooded with so much information. You, you download everybody's detail of their life, and you can't you can't contain all that. God didn't make you to take on the burden of a, of, of seven thousand people. Take on everybody's uh, uh, details of their life. You don't need to know that many people that well. I think I just said that, didn't I? Download of information, constant information, and your mind. Let me tell you what happens with too much information. You become emotionally numb. Your mind shuts down. All this media scrolling. You're downloading pictures and information. And it's numbing you. And you come to church and oh, amazing grace. Somebody singing? And you're looking around. Can't engage in the service. Because you downloaded so much information that has nothing to do with your divine purpose. Are you listening to me? See, some of you have a hard time paying attention today because you've been scrolling so much. That's the truth. I can't believe it's talking like that. I'm going to talk some more about it. Because you don't want to wake up one day and miss your divine purpose, miss the divine visitation that God has upon this church. Elder Gators, I love prophecy. I love prophecy, but there's got to be a time that prophecy is fulfilled. And you can miss the prophecy, but not being engaged with God's heartbeat. Well, I just think it was a false prophecy. You know, I think they just missed it. It didn't happen. It didn't happen because you weren't intentional about it happening in your life the blessing, the creativity, the promises of God because you were more concerned with Hollywood than you were his word. You were more concerned with a football team and a basketball team and and the latest car and the latest things and stuff that really withers away. I wonder what would happen if we got up in the morning, got on our knees and we prayed till God's heartbeat began to beat in our spirit that God's mind began to get a hold of our mind. We started seeing things. Come on, is anybody hearing me preach on a Sunday? We got to get a hold of God until what matters to him, matters to us. Amen. I'm not gonna be a part of a church that doesn't love souls. That's the truth. We can't love the harvest. We need to go somewhere where they love the harvest. Because it's not the true heartbeat of God. The Bible said these, threes, these three things, faith, hope, and charity. But which is the greatest among the three? It's charity. And if we can't love people being saved, there's something wrong in our spirit. And I'm not so sure we are saved. Come on, wake up, church. There's a harvest. There's a broken person that needs what you have. they got. God placed them beside you on the job. But you're too numb to recognize the harvest is three feet away. I want you to lift your hands all over this building before I move forward. Lift your hands and say, God, don't let me miss the harvest. Don't let me miss the harvest. I miss the harvest. I'll never forget the story. Everybody shout, God. Don't let me miss my harvest time. I'll never forget the story. A man had, had prepared four years to run. To run the race at the Olympics. Coach, you can only imagine the preparation that goes into four years to run the race at the Olympics. True story is told. That when they called for the lineup, he didn't show up. They waited, but he didn't come. Finally, the pistol was shot. Race took off. The race is over. And they walk in the locker room, and he's asleep. He had fallen asleep right before his now moment. It was just to be a moment nap just and he slept for something he had prepared for for 4 years God forbid 10 years of praying and you sleep through the harvest of the miracle it doesn't make any sense Sister Trina, it doesn't make any sense when the Bible says, he that sleepeth slumbereth through the harvest shameth his father. It Proverbs, it doesn't make any sense. Why would somebody sleep during the harvest? You know why? Because just before the harvest, there comes a weariness. Right. I, I've said it already, but I think Facebook is killing us. I think social media is numbing us. I'm not against it. I'm on it. I've been on it more recently. Delayed in airports. I'm going to tell you, I'm not so sure that Hollywood desensitizing videos that the goal is twofold. That's why I don't go to movie theaters. I don't go to them. I'm going to tell you why. Because I believe it's the atmosphere that desensitizes the United States to accept the Antichrist when he comes. Because it's a download of... of the impartation of the spirit of the Antichrist. I'm just gonna talk about it, man. Why? Hear me, hear me. I, I know I'm, I'm considered conservative. Amen, that's complimenting me. But listen to me. Why are we listening and watching stuff that is Antichrist? Well, it's a, it's, it's a chick flick. And? Well, it's a classic. Well, it's Halloween. We've got to watch scary movies because that's what U.S. does. You're going to let a spirit come in your home that's going to cause you to slumber. Uh, hey, he said a great statement a few years ago. I'm preparing them for the harvest, Elder. That's what I'm doing right now. He made a statement a few years ago. He said, the Bible says my house should be called a house of prayer, but it's become a den of thieves. He said, it just makes sense that if you're not praying, there must be a thief in your house. When's the last time you sought God for a soul? When was the last time you wept over a sinner? When was the last time you looked at the harvest and, oh God, I wept at your bed. He and I both praying for you when you were dead for twelve minutes. I'm so glad you're here. God's got so much for your family. He's not done. He's not done. Amen. Because the devil's in competition because he loves souls more than some of you do. His goal is to reach lost souls and keep them lost. His goal is to bind up territories and keep spiritual opposition and destroy families and destroy minds and to get them to die before they can be reached with the gospel. It is the goal of the enemy to drag people to hell. And the church should not, not cower down to the opposition of a demonic force. It ought to be the opposition. It ought to be that when you wake up in the morning the devil says they're awake. I can't believe they just got out of bed. I've done everything I can to stop it. But they're reaching more people than I can hold. Somebody say amen. When you begin to look at scripture, you're going to find something very interesting. In the God's value, in God's eye. Everybody shout God's eye. Touch your eyes. Say my eye. eye. Should Should see what God sees. Come on, touch both your eyes and say in Jesus' name. When you look at it, there's only three times in all of scripture, three times in all of scripture that heaven rejoices. It was when the stars were created. It's when Jesus was born. How many know that? The Bible says heaven rejoiced. How many know the third time heaven rejoiced? Over one sinner. One sinner. How many people, how many people repented on Sunday? One. Oh, can't believe it wasn't ten. Because I don't rejoice unless it's ten. We ought to be in double digits by now. No, 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 no. See, in God's book, in God's book. Let's look at a, let's look at a verse. What shall it profit a man if he gained the, everybody shot the whole world and lose his own soul? That is, own soul is a singular terminology. Watch this. You could, I don't have much in it, but give me your wallets. Give me, give me your wallets. Hey man, that's a small one. We got to give you pay raise. Come on, give me your wallet. Hand, hand, hand me your money. Hand me your money. His wife has his. Oh, God help us. (laughs) Where are you at, Sister Cindy? I couldn't pass that up. I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't pass it up. All the wealth in the world. Every oil rig, oil guru, all the Swiss Alps, all the vacation homes, all the yachts. Come here, Seth. There. And one kid. Put your hand right there. One soul. Yeah. One. One. One soul in God's eyes is more value. Hey, where where are there any babies in here? We get all the babies in the nursery, huh? Bring that baby up here. Oh my goodness, he's going to outweigh that. I guarantee you. Come up, come come up come up here. One, one baby. We in the in the anchor, we don't wait till they're sixteen. And the anchor. I don't know if you can fit him in there. <laughs> Face him this way. Face him there you go. Look at that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Just one baby's worth more than all the oil and the gold in the world. Come on now. Hey. Sister, sons, I want you to stand. Everybody be seated. Sister, sons, I want her to stand. Will you help her stand right there? She's, she's, she's the eldest in the church. She's 90, how much now? 95? Still the same value. Souls don't come in sizes. It's the same value. Hey buddy, hey buddy, he makes a mistake in life, same value, he messes up, does things he shouldn't do, and he's going to cause he's flesh and blood like you and me, same value. Jesus, the Bible says came down to the earth, all the way down, you study how he came from the throne of heaven, all the way down, the Bible says he became a worm to humanity. That meant to the least a place that he could become. Why? Because in God's book, everybody has a value equally. And the revelation is coming in this room. How can we pass up another house between our church and home? Or home and church and not try to get somebody to come in and find the Lord? How can we sit back idle and not start praying against spiritual warfare where the devil's binding people and, and not pray them out of bondage? Come on, how, if, if we really love what God loves, how can we come to church with empty car seats in our car? You hear what I'm saying? Come on, it hits home now because it's easy to talk about the value of God and letting pastor reach a lost soul. But it was never the will of God for the preacher to reach this city. At what point, at what point was the responsibility of reaching the world left to the preacher? I'm going to tell you, in the Catholic movement, that's what happened. They went to church. They heard the priest. They went there let him pray. They let him forgive. They let him preach. It was never the will of God to leave the harvest of a city to a priest. It was biblical for Jesus to empower believers and turn them loose in their community. It shouldn't be me knocking doors and i do it. It ought to be you reaching your neighbors, your cousins, your nieces, your nephews, your grandkids and realizing they're a soul and if they're going to get to heaven, it's going to be because of me. I'm not letting somebody else do what I can do. Somebody shout amen. Now here's my concern is when career and sports becomes more valuable than the baby in your family. I'm gonna say it strong and I hope people that aren't here are watching me preach right now. To take a kid out of Sunday church and put them in ball, you're lost. you are lost. You have missed it. You will stand in judgment for taking your children out of church and putting them in ball. You will stand in judgment for it. It is not the will of God. I know I can't be more clear but we don't have time to be beating around the bush and trying to make you feel good about things that are sending your family to hell. Somebody's got to wake up and say "As for me in my house. We are going to serve the Lord. Here's what happens. We start living our lives through our kids and the fact of the matter I don't know if I can do this. But the fact of the matter is, it's not that ball's more important than the soul. It's that we are more important than the soul. Has nothing to do with football. Has everything to do with flesh. All said, I am crucified with Christ. Yet I live, but not I, that Christ lives within me. Come on, I don't know how a member of the church can get caught up with the sports of the world, take your kids out of the house of God. Oh, it's only four months. You know how many? Come on, I like a little football. I'm not against all that, but I'm gonna tell you right now. You know how many parents have told me over the years, I gotta talk like this. I have pastored long enough to talk like this. And you're listening. How I many parents have told me pastor will be back in four months? Their babies are loving God. They're down at the altar weeping. They're seeking the Lord. They love God. They don't even want to play football. But daddy wants them to play football. And mama thinks that's just what you got to do in the community because that's just what we do. The day... That the sport takes over the kingdom is the day you need to pull them out of the sport. Hold on, I want you to clap. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm not trying to hype you up, I'm just trying to get real with you. I realize not everybody's going to agree with me, and I'm going to get slammed for this for some people, I don't care right now. But you listen while I'm preaching. There's got to get something in your spirit that understands this simple thing. When that kid loves God, you need to do everything you can, buy him Bibles, get him a Bible app. Take them to the house of God all they want to. Take your own money and send them to youth congress and send them to youth convention and send them to youth camps. And come on, bring them to Friday night and, and get them involved with the kingdom. Get them get some godly are you hearing what I'm saying? Because when the roll was caught up yonder, I want my babies to go with me. I I want my family to go. Oh God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Nothing should be more important than God. Nothing should be more valuable than God. You're not raising your children, you're training them. You're training them to love the world or you're training them to love God. And what they are, you are in the process of training. And if I take my kids out on a midweek, I'm training them. It's not important. I take them out on a Sunday service I'm training them it's not important somewhere we got to buy into this Say, God give me your heartbeat again let me love and breathe and let my heart beat what's important to you come on 3,000 churches a year are closing do you want to close do you you, you want culture to take over or you want to have a thriving apostolic church that everybody wants to be a part of Come on, you've got to get on fire. If come on, stand on your feet. You've got to be on fire if you want that. <laughs> you got to be on fire. Brother Cody, Brother Cody, we got to be on fire. You know, I'm telling you the truth. You work in the inner circle with our, with our young people, with our youth. What happens when the world takes over their mind? They've got pressures anyhow. we got to love them. He loves me on that side. Let me tell you, that's the most happy he'll ever be is when he's in the hand of God. In the home that places him in the priority that God has for him. Now, I can hear Stand, everybody stand. Please, everybody in the building, even if you're elderly, I'm asking you to stand for a moment for a spirit of unity. If I've ever needed you, I need you now. I'm not apologetic. But I need support. What I do with my, there's my Bible. There's my, Bible everything I need's in that I'll help you down I'm sorry I kept you up for so long I know you enjoyed showing that grandbaby off I realized in the building there were parents saying oh God I didn't know this I was never taught this and I have put my kids and things just taking them out Here's what you do, you repent. I'm gonna go back and I'm gonna say, God, I'm gonna do it right this time. They might have already been grown up, but I am going from this moment forward to teach my children. I'm gonna influence them and love them to love God. Lift your hands. Don't lose your babies to the world. The harvest is ready. The harvest is <laughs> We don't do it perfect. I'm learning. I'm trying to change things at home to better my family. Sometimes I repent. Oh God, we're out of balance. We're out of balance. Come on, all over the building, reach out to the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord's moving. There's conviction here. We're about to, this church is about to double in just a couple years. We won't be able to fit everybody in here. It's gonna be because your priorities got right. Wasn't a Sunday. This was a Monday through Sunday thing. Come on, that's it, God. I don't come on right now. You need to say, where are my children at right now? Where are my babies? Oh God, I want them in the kingdom. I want them saved more than anything. I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast and pray till they get in. (laughs) There's not four months. I'm warning somebody. Don't say there's four months. the now moment don't miss the now moment come to this altar those that would uh, you feel God compelling you you feel the Lord pulling on you come come on let's fill these altars up let's get on our knees if possible let's repent come on Ari I have and I will again oh God I need God in my life come on there are literally tens of thousands of people we're about to reach tens of thousands right now God said I want the heart of the church to become my heart again like it was come on preachers help me today come on elders come on seniors come on young families come on teenagers (laughs) Every parent in here, every mama in here, every grandma in here, I want you to pray with this preacher right now. Oh, Jesus.